What do you think we should talk about? We all again. <laughs> I'm still trying to get back in the swing of talking in person. You know, we've all been shut in, you know, and on these Zoom meetings where people are cooking and sleeping and painting and bowl of food, writing up, you know, hey, hi, Zoom guys. How you guys doing? Right? I was at one Zoom meeting, there were 300 participants, only 50 of them had their cameras on. You know, it's, it was tough. It was like being, imagine being in this room talking and all of you, your chairs turned around the other way. You know what I mean? You guys all right? You guys okay? <laughs> anyway, I hope you're not wanting a real serious talk because I'm not that. Katie, thanks a lot for uh, being willing to come up and give. How about a nice applause for Katie? She didn't know she was going to, they asked the speaker to bring a 10 minute speaker and I said, I'll find somebody at the meeting. And I just asked her and it's not easy to give a 10 minute talk, you know, cause you gotta try to cram it all, you know, you know what I mean? So anyway, uh, did I mention I was an alcoholic? I have crossed the line and lost the choice. Um, how are we doing on the Zoom thing over there? Pretty good? All right. You're packing them. How many participants you got over there? Thirteen people that were too fucking lazy to come. To <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to say lazy from the podium. Sorry. Oh. Okay. Anyway, that was going to be the only foul language that I use all night. You could check me. Anyway, um, supposed to stop at like fifty-five, right? To that clock. Okay. Uh, congratulations to you guys that were willing to. Uh, Raise your hand. Um, you're the reason that I came to uh, to talk tonight. Um, I'm the guy that could not stay sober. I'm the guy that was too uh, ashamed to walk into a meeting, uh, especially a meeting like this one that only has one door. Uh, a lot of times at meetings, there's about like, if you, like if you go to the Canyon Club on a Saturday night, there's like, fortunately that meeting has like three other doors you can go into. Because there is a, the scariest thing to me when I was new was greeters at a meeting. Oh my God. They're going to ask me, how many days do you have now, Danny? And because I couldn't say two, I wouldn't go. Or they'll ask you other things like, how are you? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? What do you mean, how am I? Dying. How are you? You know, it was just, oh. Chit-chat. Chit-chat without, without Klonopin and vodka is difficult. <laughs> How do you pretend to care about your day, you know, and not say something? <sighs> you know, in AA, we talk about contrary actions. You guys, have you ever heard about that? Contrary action means I do what I don't want to do. Like go to work make my bed, go to a meeting, do my commitment. And I don't do what I would like to do. And usually it's saying something. The biggest contrary action that I can do is like not say something, you know, not offend somebody. So anyway, I'll start at the beginning. It's a very handsome baby. This is a tough room. You guys, did somebody tell you guys that... It, 
that you had to be serious. What's going on in here? I'm going to read you my favorite page of my big book, my, my, the, from the book. Uh, this is a, I was telling somebody before the meeting, this is the quietest kept secret in AA. It's called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What? And on page 132, I don't even need to look it up. On page 132, right in the middle, right in the middle, 132, 17 lines down, 17 up, two words in, we absolutely insist on enjoying life. Woo. Right? Because isn't this better than driving around with high with your kids in the back? <laughs> right? Right? I mean... Where are the tweakers at tonight? Are you a tweaker? There they go. Look how fast their arms shoot up. Boom. Fixing things that ain't broken. All right? How many people in this room have been on carpet patrol? This guy knows what I'm talking about. He has smoked toenails. He knows. You know what carpet patrol is? Of course he does. You don't, do you, Sharon? Good. Let's tell Sharon what carpet patrol is, okay? because we need to be inclusive here. The first side of the triangle is unity, right? Sharon, I'm a tweaker. It means I like meth. And I've been up for six days with no sleep. And I got clumps of white stuff in the corners of my mouth. And I'm naked. And most of my body is covered with personal lubricant. And I've got a lighter in one hand and a pipe in the other. Am I getting it right so far? And yeah, and I'm crawling across the carpet looking for anything I can smoke. Oh, I got to stop once in a while and peek out the window because the DEA is outside. Helicopters, planes, they've spent a million dollars because they want my teener. That's a teenth of an ounce, a sixteenth of an ounce. Anyway, when people are under the influence of meth or coke or desperate, they'll look for anything in the carpet, drywall, plaster, bagel chips. Am I, am I right? Yes or no, is this right? And we'll put it in the pipe and smoke it. It's the same thing. How many people have taken a bottle or a can out of a trash can to drink the liquid that was left in it? To, huh? There you go. It's the same thing. I will do anything I can and put anything in my body. How many people have hung out or slept with people they wouldn't normally have because they had liquor or drugs? <laughs> and if you didn't raise your hand, your maybe your shoulder hurts. Um, but it's the same thing, Sharon. You, we've all done our carpet patrol in some way or another. How many people have done things they thought they would never, ever, ever do? Right. And said, if I ever do that and I, I will never, I'll, here's this line I will never cross. And we had to keep moving the line. Well, you know, I never thought that I would trade my paycheck for my daughter's Christmas money. I never, ever thought that that would happen. That this beautiful little girl named Shayla, that I would take the only money that we needed to pay the rent with and go down to the bar and drink that money up. Anyway, <laughs> don't worry, the story has a happy ending because I end up in Laguna Niguel on a Sunday night. So my father was a Colonel in the Air Force. Uh, I had two brothers, I'm the middle. I don't know if anybody else is the middle child. I was the scapegoat. I had so much potential. 
And if only I would apply myself. Remember those things? Yeah. We are all very clever in this room. We are all, I mean, it is not easy to stay drunk without money. It is not easy to keep a job while being drunk all the time. We are very clever at what we do. And we have all heard things like this. Well, whatever it is, what do you do for a living? What kind of, what kind of work do you do? Uh, medic. You're a medic. You're probably the best. And you did that before you got sober? And you were the best at your company when you showed up. If you would be such a blah, 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 if you could just stay sober, you know? I, those are the kind of things that I would hear. And every person I ever met in my life within five minutes of meeting me all asked me the same question. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Why do you do that? Right. And we moved around a lot, you know, and every time I moved to a different school, they'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when I was 10 years old, I sat behind these drums. I'm a musician. I sat behind these drums and I could play the drums. Nobody ever taught me. I could just play them. And I knew I wanted to be the next Steve Ferroni or the next John Bonham or the next Buddy Rich, you know? I knew what I wanted to be. I never said, I want to be on a 5150. Yeah. I want, I want the cops spreading my fingers, holding me down. I want them shoving a catheter up in me, man. I want to come to with a piece of paper that says, you have a right to refuse shock treatment. But it happened. I never said, I want to be wearing everything I own with mats in my hair, holes in my teeth, and not be able to look a single person in the eye because I'm a piece of shit. I never thought that when I was a kid. I knew I was going to be a rock star, you know? And uh, the first uh, tool for living I had was out. I wanted out, man. This is the wrong earth suit. Something is wrong. I went out of the window, out of the family, out of the car out of this relationship. I hate people. I hate people, but I'm a people pleaser. Weird, right? Stay away. But what do I need to do to make you love me? But stay away. But love me. <laughs> and then I learned, you know, that uh, if you hit something, if you hit somebody in the face hard enough, they'll agree with you or leave you alone. You know, we had this belt in my house. And if you put your hand back there to block the belt, it became the, the, the belt buckle, you know. And uh, everything was my fault. And I was afraid all the time until I was 12 years old. I was living in Washington, D.C. And, I, you know, I was getting beat a lot and being told I was never going to be nothing. And I was going to a little child psychiatrist and running away all the time. And I just always felt so damn uncomfortable until somebody gave me a bottle of Boone's Farm strawberry wine. See, it doesn't get much of an applause. I just spoke in Tennessee recently. <laughs> and when I said that, the place lost its mind. But in Laguna, they're like, really? <laughs> Dreadful poor boy. <laughs> Boone's Farm. If you never drank Boone's Farm wine, you could pour it in a lawnmower and it'll run. <laughs> there isn't a grape in the bottle, man. And I, I drank the whole thing, you know, and I, I just remember this feeling. I can still, I was only 12 years old. It's the first time I ever had anything other than cigarettes. And I just remember this warmth went over me. And I remember this. 
It was like the first time in my life that I ever exhaled. It was the first time I felt okay. Little did I know I would spend thousands of dollars a week just trying to feel okay. Little did I know that I would trade the love of my life, the job of my dreams, just to feel okay. And you know what's cool is? I got sober the same year as you, 2008. And I'm standing here right now in front of a room full of people. And I feel okay. <laughs> I feel okay doing what I'm doing in front of the people I'm doing it with. I fit in my earth suit. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a big deal, man. Just to feel all right. I didn't have to screw anybody over today. I've been outside of my house. I've been in front of other people. I don't know anybody in the men's yet. <laughs> Still got to get home. So I remember that feeling coming over me, man. And just like the book talked about that, it, it happened. That thing that separates me from the normal person. You know, there are normal people. And if you're new in AA, when we talk about normal people, we're talking about people that who can, you ever been out with somebody at lunch and they can take two hours to drink a drink? You know, those normal people that cannot finish a drink? It should be the field sobriety test. They should say, all right, get out of the car and say unfinished drink three times. What? I never had one of those. Have you ever had an unfinished drink? Probably not. Did you know these normal people, they think that a cigarette but floating in a drink is a non-drinkable beverage. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Rookies, right? How many people have gone to parties or bars and as soon as somebody turned their head, picked up a drink that didn't belong to you and drank other people's drinks? Of course you did. Why wouldn't you, right? Why let that drink go to waste, right? And uh, anyway, that, that thing happened to me that separates me from the normal person, man. I felt, I felt taller and funnier and more charming and I felt okay. And then I started throwing up. And I remember when I was throwing up, I remember thinking if it was like, you know, you know when you puke and you think your socks are gonna come out. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, and I was holding onto this fence, man. I was painting it red from that strawberry wine. And I remember thinking if I don't die, I'm doing this tomorrow. <laughs> and it, that Southern comfort turned in, I mean, uh, that wine turned into, quickly turned into Southern comfort, improperly named. Nobody was ever comfortable when I drank it. <laughs> we moved to Texas, um, San Antonio, Texas. My father was the head of the inspector general's office. And I started really getting into uh, running around with a bunch of losers, you know, always trying to impress people that were assholes. I remember as a kid, always wanting to impress the neighborhood asshole, you know, because I wanted to, I needed validation. You know, I had peer pressure. I just wanted to, some, somebody think I was cool. And I was running around with these people, you know, and we were running into people's houses, drinking their liquor, and we all got arrested and went to jail. And while I was in jail, my family moved to the Philippines. <laughs> only here do they laugh about that. <laughs> You know what I mean? We laugh at tragedy here, right? So there I was on my own and I got out of jail and I had this set of drums that didn't match. I was now I'm 19. I'm putting anything in my body that will take me out of right here, right now. You know, in the doctor's opinion of this book, 
it talks about we as alcoholics i had i learned that i had to abstain from alcohol in all its forms and to me that means liquid alcohol snortable alcohol injectable alcohol and smokable alcohol that's what it means if you're new and some crusty old fucker tells you that you don't belong here because you had some you like black tar heroin or you like crystal meth or you like cocaine never let anyone tell you that you don't belong here turn in fact you might want to ask them to read this book and read the story called acceptance is the answer on page 410 it used to be called dr addict alcoholic but they got all freaked out at world service about that word addict and in there dr paul shoots i don't know uh morphine and demerol and all this so look you earned this seat this is your seat you belong here and my job is to tell you that you can do this if you're new or you coming in and out don't give up please don't give up if you're sponsoring somebody that's going in and out don't give up don't give up you can do this you're part of something now can i get an amen, amen. That, that's for the other side can i get a hallelujah Right? It can happen for you. You can, I'm telling you, I'm the guy that couldn't get sober, man. Here, let me tell you about it. So, are there any other liars here tonight? Huh? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and same thing, in the doctor's opinion, it talks about where I can no longer distinguish the false from the real. I'm a liar. I lie so much, I have fond memories of shit that never even happened to me. You know what I mean? You have to lie. How can I not lie? What am I going to do? Walk up and you go, hey, how you doing? I'm Danny. You know, the guy that's going to make you wish you didn't hire him. You know, the guy that's going to try to screw your girlfriend when you go to the bathroom. You know, Danny. No, I have to pretend to be something I'm not because I know I'm a loser. I'm never going to be nothing. I'm, I'm comparing how I feel to how you look. I'm never going to look like this guy looks like he has friends. If I came here tonight, was sitting here, I'm thinking, look at this nice cleaned up person. I'd be looking at you thinking, well, I'm this miserable piece of shit and I'm never going to have a job or a car or know what friends are. Why even try? I'm never going to be nothing. Never. The way you felt at that phone booth in that hotel lobby. Yes. Like nothing. Like I didn't deserve the air or a chair in this room, you know? And uh, the way I got to California was, this is a true part of the story. I heard that Rod, <laughs> Rod Stewart was looking for a drummer. So I took my drums that didn't match and put them in a Greyhound bus. And I came out to be Rod Stewart's drummer. And when I pulled into the bus station in Hollywood, this is a long time ago, there was a pawn shop at, next to the bus station. And all my hopes and dreams went right into my left arm. But, you know, I told so many people that I played drums for Rod Stewart that still to this day, when Hot Lakes comes on the radio, I admire my own drumming. I never even made it to the audition, man. I used to go to auditions with heavyweight players and tell them, imagine a drum set. I didn't even have drums, you know. It's hard to keep anything when, you know, when you're an alcoholic. A practicing alcohol. So there I was on, in Hollywood running around and, uh, you know, the Alcoholics Anonymous has given me back now 
and what alcohol, isn't it funny we call it alcohol and drugs? If alcohol isn't a drug, what is it, right? My sponsor calls it anti-Danny medication, right? No matter what it is, Xanax, Klonopin, vodka, Jack Daniels, marijuana. I'm sure I've named somebody's favorite so far. All of it's made to take me out of right here, right now. Because right here, right now, like I said, I'm comparing how I feel to how you look. And if I can take any of that stuff and put it in me and just feel, just fit into my earth suit for one more day so I don't put my head in front of a bus, right? And Alcoholics Anonymous, is it, it, alcohol and drugs robbed me of now. It kept me from being there for my kid, for being there for people that cared about me, for these fantastic bands that I was a singer of that I would ruin all the time, like I was talking about with you. You know, I would build things up and meet the girl of my dreams or have the job or the, the band of my dreams. And once again, my life, would, I'd set it on fire, you know, because I had to, I could I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't know that I was an alcoholic. I didn't know that I had this obsession of the mind, that I had this uh, phenomenon of craving, that I had a spiritual malady. I thought I was a loser and a piece of shit. And you're not. If you're sitting here, there's nothing wrong with you other than you're an alcoholic. That's what's wrong with you. Good news. Good news. And what's the, the first step? If you want to know where the first step is, if you're new, it's on page 30. It says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost self. What is my innermost self? What is that? You know, when you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing and your head goes, that ain't right. You're not supposed to be doing this. Why are you taking that guy's TV off the wall, man? You're not supposed to be with her. You know that voice, if you're in treatment or sober living, you know, and you can't sleep. My, my, by the way, may I recommend this book to help you with that? It'll put you right out. But you know when you're laying there and just the head starts talking to you, blah, 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 reminding you of all this terrible stuff that you've done? Don't worry, we have a step where you can clean that up, right? It's a fourth and fifth and an eighth and ninth. But until you get there, this head's just reminding you. That's why those are things that lower our self-esteem, the things that I used to do that made me feel bad. I, and then I come into AA and they give me things to do that will raise my self-esteem. They say, we need a literature guy. Okay, Danny, you're the new literature guy. All right, what do I gotta do? Well, you gotta set the literature. You gotta get to the meeting early because new people are gonna come in and they're gonna need some literature. What do I do when they need books? You got to go to this place called Central Office. And you're going to trust me with all that? Yeah. All right. All right. Now, I worked all day. It's Sunday. Uh, or it's Monday night. My literature commitment's on Monday. And I worked all day. I don't feel like going to that stupid meeting with those stupid people, with those dumb greeters. Fuck those people. Sorry <laughs> about my language. Man. But that's, that's how I was feeling. Screw those people, man. Hate them. I wouldn't have drank with them, let alone sit in a room with them, but I gotta go. I'm the literature guy. I have their literature. So I go and I show up. I set up their dumb literature for their dumb people at this stupid meeting. And I act better than I feel. And they say, I'm, I need a big book. And instead of, you know, 
saying stupid things, I, I sell them a big book. And now I've done my commitment for six months in a row. And now I'm standing in front of the mirror in the morning and I used to keep the, the medicine cabinet open. So I wouldn't have to look at myself because I hated that guy, the guy that couldn't be a father to his kid, the guy that let everybody down. I could, I hated that dude. I punched many mirrors. I've taken mirrors off. I've taken soap and put it on mirrors so I wouldn't have to look at myself. Hand to God, I swear that's how I, what I used to do. I have taped mirrors up so I wouldn't have to look at myself. And now I, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm six months sober. And I just realized, holy crap. Not only am I impressed that I'm brushing my teeth, <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror and I'm not hating who I'm doing. And I'm going, hey, I've gone to that meeting every Monday night for six months. I haven't stolen their literature. I've gone to central office when we run out. I've done my commitment. AA is filled with all these little jobs that give us esteemable acts. And if you do these commitments, like setting up chairs or making coffee, guess who else is at the meeting early? Other people that care about AA enough to have a commitment like this. So if you're going in and out, in and out, in and out, may I suggest, please, getting a commitment that gets you here early, right? Because if you don't change, you won't change. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? Right. So how did I get to AA? I get to AA, I'm, I'm living in Civic Center Park, wearing everything I own, holes in my teeth, mats in my hair, don't know where my family is. I'm begging for change or running in bars, drinking the drinks with cigarette butts in them. And uh, somebody put a bumper sticker in a phone booth. A phone, a phone. We used to have phones, did you guys know that? Phone booths, you could call collect, right? And somebody put a bumper sticker in it and says, got a drinking problem, call AA. So I did, called collect. And this lady said, you know, I never heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been to counselors and shrinks and I've been on 5150s and no one ever told me about AA. And so I walked into my, remember your very first meeting? Think back, think right now of your very first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. You don't know what to expect. Just the name is spooky. Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, is everybody gonna have a, like a hood on? They're going to blur everybody's face out like we're all DEA informants, you know? You know, alcoholics, it sounds spooky, right? And I'm thinking, oh my God, I've reached a level of lame I didn't know existed. You know, wearing everything I owned, I'm thinking this is lame. And I'm thinking they're going to kick me out, right? Were you ever a blackout drinker? Yeah. Did you ever walk into a bar that you think is the first time and the bartender goes, excuse me, you, out. You're like, oh. I guess I've been here before, right? Everywhere I ever went, I, they kicked me out and I didn't know why. It was because I had been there before and I was an asshole. And I thought, they're going to kick me out when I walked into my first meeting, right? And I thought, trying to look tough, you know, and I looked like a chick on speed, like a size nun. I look good, you know? Take it easy, I'm just kidding. So anyway, I went in and out for a couple of years and then I started eight years of untreated alcoholism. I don't recommend it. I was going to meetings. You know, you, nowadays I notice everybody gets to the meeting at the last minute. We, you know, I was always taught in the beginning, you get to the meeting half an hour early is on time. Get to the meeting half an hour early, right? And I would get to the meeting 10 minutes late so I didn't have to talk to anybody and the greeters were already away from the door. I didn't have a big book. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't work any steps. 
The only time I did anything for anybody is if you could do something for me. And I did that for eight years in AA. I was not a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I wasn't in AA. I came to meetings. What a surprise. I didn't stay sober. And I was this big dude, you know, mixed martial artist, boxer, and big guy getting, putting hands on people in meetings and just being, just being. I just didn't know, I never had a gentle male role model in my life. You know, I grew up on the streets and I never had a man tell me, you know, it's okay to be a man and be gentle. I didn't know you, I could do that. I didn't know that I could be kind and loving. I thought I always had to be tough. And uh, I went back out and, and for 15 years, I stayed out there. And every single day I tried to not get, to, 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 to not take a drink. And I, some terrible things happened, terrible things. A lot of 5150s. Some good things would happen once in a while. But I just, I couldn't put any days together. Once in a while, I'd, you know, I'd get a run of like 10 days and go back out. I was telling Katie, you know, uh, very dangerous when I would go to a speaker meeting and there's a break, right? Because the break is when I'd go back out. The mental obsession in my lineage, my sponsor's name is Earl. And we call the, the, the mental obsession, the beast. If you're sitting there and you're new, right? There's this beast, this voice that goes, I never did that. I never did that. I wasn't that bad. Looking for differences instead of looking for similarities. My beast is like this little five foot two hooker with a gymnastic butt, right? And I do my commitment, sit up the chairs. I'll be sitting in a meeting, trying to be good during the 10 minute speaker. And she'd show up. <laughs> Let's go get a Corona. And I'm thinking, yeah. On page 24 of our book, it says, we learned that we, had, wait a minute, page 24. We are unable at certain times to bring forth the sufficient force of the memory or the suffering of, of just a week or a day or a month ago, we are without defense against the first dream. I have gotten out of the LA County Jail with a wristband on my wrist at Six and Bonnie Bray, putting my hand out for a balloon of heroin. And even the connection is looking at the wristband going, <laughs> dude, you still got the wristband on, right? How many people have, you know, you sitting there across the table from that one person that you have left in your life, the one person that's looking at you with the, think about it, looking at you with those eyes of disgust. How could you do this to me again? You promised you wouldn't do it. And you're sitting there. You guys see those eyes, what I'm talking about? You remember that? You remember? Do you remember? You got one person left and they're sitting there and they're asking you, tell me, why would you do this again? And if you're like me, you say, like, I didn't want to. I meant it when I said I wouldn't. I didn't mean to hurt the only person I have left. I didn't mean to. So anyway, 
was living with this girl named Vicky Smart in Venice, California. I owned four things, a guitar, uh, a Honda Civic with no windshield. That was a real catch. I had uh, hand tools and a red-nosed pit bull named Brooklyn. And I wouldn't go to the meetings, man. I just couldn't go anymore. I just, I was so afraid that you would ask me how many days do you have now, Danny? And because I couldn't say two, I just wouldn't go. It's never going to work for me. AA don't work. I judged AA by some of its poor representatives. And how do I know it? AA is the 12 steps in the first 164 pages of the big book. It's having an, a sponsor that you're actively sponsored and talking to them every day. It's sponsoring other people. That's AA. This is a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Chances are any given meeting, 80% of the people ain't even working the steps. I sure was one of them. That's me, didn't have a sponsor. And so I'm sitting there on the porch drink, uh, drinking my 10 king-size Coronas for the day, right? eating a handful of Kalanapin, smoking a quarter ounce of Kush. That's what it took for me to get to, okay. And Vicky pull around every day and she'd go, Danny, I'm going to a meeting tonight. Would you like to go? And I'd say, yeah, tell them I said hi. Here, so you guys can see it on Zoom. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to articulate my feelings. If I knew how to work steps, I would have said, Vicky, I can't get in the car with you tonight, for I have a resentment towards Alcoholics Anonymous. Here are the 39 reasons why. Here are the seven areas of effects. And if I really knew how to process my feelings, I'd say, Vicky, I can't go to that meeting tonight because I'm never going to be a part of AA. I don't know what permanent sobriety is going to feel like. I can't get sober. I can't do it. So it just came out as fuck you. My answer for everything. Sound familiar? Why try? Every How many people here don't have their first sobriety date and have gone back out? Come on. Come on. Really get in. Remember when the last thought you had before you took that drink? Fuck it. Reach into the back seat and pull out one of them buckets. And one night, Vicky pulled around, man. She opened the door and she said, Danny, if you don't get in the car tonight and go with me to a meeting, you and your dog have to live in your Honda Civic. So, you know, I got in the car. I didn't think, oh, maybe it'll be different this time. I just didn't want to be thrown out and sleep in my car with no windshield. And she takes me to... Anybody uh, ever been to Rodeo in the 90s in this room? Anyone at all? She takes me to Rodeo on a Friday night. I'm not exaggerating. I have four to 700 people. They're all tan in the winter. They all have veneered teeth. They all have nine digit salaries. They all have a terrace and they're all doing better than you. And I'm Pigpen in the back of the room. I'm Mr. I can't stay sober. And she brought me there to hear Earl. Earl was up there giving a talk. And I remember sitting back there, man, I'm just thinking, why? come on, let's just get this over with, man. Oh, everybody knows I'm the guy that can't stay sober. Just oh, please get it over. And Earl started talking and I don't know what he was saying, but my head went, maybe. What? Maybe. Maybe what? Maybe you can stay sober. What? Maybe you don't have to die. Maybe you could be your kid's dad. Maybe it'll matter that you've been alive. Maybe, it's a great word for people like us. Maybe, for someone who lived his life of nevers, maybe, and I asked him to sponsor me. And for 15 years, Earl never gave up on me. 
he'd come and stand in line at county jail for seven hours to see me for two minutes. When I was on that 5150 Christmas in 2007, when they were taking the catheter out, who came to see me? Earl. I love that man. Never gave up on me. He did the only thing for me that worked. He loved me. Look, I'm a union electrician, a superintendent. I built some of the biggest things here in this town, in LA. And I'm telling you, the strongest force that I've that I know about, I've learned because of these steps. It's, it's the ability to be gentle, loving, and kind. Unity's the body, you bring it to a meeting. I can't stay sober, but we seem to be able to. But this ain't about stopping. How do I stay stopped? How do I stay stopped so I can fit into my earth suit and not get so uncomfortable that I need to drink again? Recoveries of the mind, so I work the 12 steps. So I trust God, clean house, and I help others. Having had a spiritual awakening, what does that mean? A change in perception. I view the world differently because I'm the literature guy, because I'm the coffee maker, because I show up on time, because I make my bed. I do these actions repeatedly over and over and over until I start to think differently and I start to view the world different. And because of that, now I can close the triangle. Having had a spiritual awakening, I can carry this message. I can walk the earth a free man, no longer enslaved by drug addiction and alcoholism. I can do the most important side of the triangle. I can stick my hand out and I can do the contrary action of what my problem is, right? My problem, you know, after more about alcoholism, it doesn't talk about booze anymore until it gets to the Dr. Bob's nightmare. And on page 62, it tells me what my problem is. Selfish self-centeredness. Without AA, I am a selfish self-centered person, right? Fear. I am a fearful person. I'm always afraid I'm going to lose what I got. I'm afraid I'm not going to get my way or get what I want. But if I work these 12 steps and I have an, a, a sponsor in one hand and, and a sponsee in the other, and I get to close that triangle and I get to, instead of coming to the meeting thinking, I hope there's a good speaker tonight. I hope they have the air conditioning's on. I hope the heater's on. They better have good cookies. I hope they have some cute girls. The seats better be comfortable. Every one of those things I have thought. Instead of coming to the meeting thinking, what can the meeting give me? How about what can I bring to the meeting? Can I get there early enough? Can I get there early enough, save a seat for somebody I don't know? Go out to the parking lot and look for the dude that's too afraid to walk in because he doesn't know anybody here and doesn't know how to chit chat, right? Can I do that? I try. I try. If you're new, I'm telling you, man, this goes so far past not drinking and using, right? AA has given me everything, everything. I don't know where my family is. I've forgiven my father, right? My kid knows where I am. We have a great relationship. Thank you, AA. I have a great job. Thank you, AA. I own a house. Thank you, AA. My phone is filled with people that love me. Thank you, AA. I have a German shepherd named Luke. Thank you, AA, right? Thank you so much for loving somebody who is so unlovable, man. I'm telling you. You can do this. If you're new, you can do this. You're part of something now. Thank you, Monica. Oh.